Come on in, join me. Let's talk. Let's talk about your health. Let's talk about how do you get through things. Let's talk about how do you deal with your kids, your significant other, your job. What do you do when your health is failing, but you're still struggling to move forward? Well, let's talk and understand from multiple perspectives. Come on in. Health and triumph, the struggle to overcome, and we will overcome together. I want to thank everybody for joining us for Health and, and Triumph, the struggle to overcome with Melvin Ward. I have a guest today. I'm very excited. Um, we have things in common, which I'm very excited about too. We're going to talk about different kind of issues. You know, I kind of stay on the health tip and what we can do to get around it when you have debilitating conditions. But you know, every condition that you go to a doctor for can't be solved by medicine or a prescription or, you know, it's just difficult, a surgery. Some things have a different backstory and it doesn't let make them easier to solve. They're actually harder to solve when you're dealing with them within yourself. So, please, Gregory Wall, would you introduce yourself to the people? Sure. Uh, greetings. Good evening. Um, like Melvin said, my name is Gregory Wall. Um, I'm a 51-year-old single dad. Um, I've been in combat sports for about 14 years. Um, a large part of that, I was trained as a kickboxer out in Seattle at Ivan Salivary MMA, and then uh, moved to Denver train at um, Colorado Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Satori. Um, so I'm a blue belt there now. And um, Melvin reached out to me and uh, posed some interesting questions and, and thought it would be a fun conversation and a, and a good time to share my story and kind of how I've triumphed over, over some challenges and things um, and how really how the jiu-jitsu community and how combat sports in general has really helped me do that. Well, Gregory said I reached out to him. And I did reach out. <laughs> but when I reached out, Gregory reached out to me in an aggressive way because he had a story <laughs> to tell. And he wanted people to hear his story and he wanted to help people. So that's, that's going to be noted in this conversation that he was aggressively trying to help people. And you gotta love that when somebody wants to help people and they're they're ready to throw both feet in. So you have a history of training um, combat sports, Muay Thai, I think you said, before Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. How was that training at uh, Muay Thai? Did that help with um, aggression? Because with me training, it helps with aggression. Well, so as I said, I was training in Seattle, which, um, you know, has just, horrible weather about eight months out of the year and what it does is it develops this this kind of angst within you that you've got to let out and i'm convinced that's why mixed martial arts in the pacific northwest is so popular but <laughs> but but it it did it, it helped me um uh kind of release a lot of tension um you know, being a grown man and being able to punch guys in the face and smile about it was uh, very cathartic. 
so that was a lot of fun. I div and then the relationships I developed with my coaches, Ivan Salaveri, um, Clint Radovich, uh, um, Maurice Smith, who's a legend in the kickboxing world. Um, you know, I still have those relationships today, 14 years later, and and many other guys that I sparred with, that I fought with, that I sweat with and trained with, you know, um, that I could probably walk up to on the street today and catch up and how you doing and what's going on. And um, those kind of bonds that you create when you're, when you're in that situation are, are really hard to replicate, I think, in today's world. And, and, um, and so it, it did, it helped, it helped deal with some aggression just of my environment that my environment created. And I work in a stressful job and so it helped there, but, but, you know, it also, it also created or started to create um, a community too, that I was missing. Um, and that I think probably I didn't even know I was looking for. Um, and so, you know, just a community of guys that were vastly different from me, different politics, different socioeconomic position in life, different position in life, because they, most of them were younger than I was. Um, you know, I started kickboxing when I was 37, so I'm late to the game. Um, so, you know, you've got these kids who, you know, are 22, 23, 21 years old, just coming out of their parents' house, you know, got six roommates crashing here, crashing there, making ends meet so they can pay to train. You know, they're working so they can get money together to pay their monthly dues so they can train. That's what they're living for. And they all have the dream of fighting for a promotion, making it to the UFC, you know, getting a belt. And, and, they, and their energy is amazing to be around. But, um, and it was great to feed off of as a guy my age training and coming into this completely new. Um, so, uh, but you know, when you step on the mat, none of, none of what you have outside matters because the bar is level. And, uh, and as so many people have said over the years, you know, you leave your ego at the door, you step on the mat and you go to work. And, and uh, so in that regard, it was, um, it was, it was great for me there. It was um, great for me training. As my health deteriorated some, I don't really like to spar that much because I, you know, I, I feel those body shots more because that's what the surgery was. So I feel those body shots, but I do want to stay sharp because it was certain things that I could endure. And now for the people listening at home, let me clarify something because Greg said it correctly. It's a community when you train. When you go train, people don't just try to take your head off. You know, if somebody's that kind of personality, usually he gets thrown out or she gets thrown out the gym and never to come back again. People are not trying to actually hurt other people. You can go at your own pace, but the the relationships that you build, like you strip away a relationship when you just push your body to a certain extent. And then that's the same person you're talking to. That same person that you might've been sparring with the same person saying, hey, you want to come over this weekend? Hey, do you want to go out for dinner? Hey, I, I'm trying to get some work in tomorrow. I have a fight. 
can you help me out and this and that. So it's, it, it is a feeling of community. But I'm going to go a step further. When you're part of a good gym, it's usually a feeling of family involved with it. Um, did that translate when you stepped over to jiu-jitsu mo- uh, during most of your time from kickboxing? Yeah. It did. And I'll tell you, that was people, you know, whenever you move somewhere new, people are like, well, what do you miss about where you move from? And, and invariably, the one thing I miss is, is my gym family um, from back in Seattle. Um, when I moved here to Denver, um, I didn't get involved in a gym right away because, because I was like, where am I going to find a family like I, found, like I had in Seattle? Um, I'm an introverted person, so finding that type of community is not an easy thing for me. Um, but uh, through really through getting my son into jiu-jitsu, I walked into this gym, met the professor, met a couple other coaches, and decided to give it a try. And really, kind of, um, I fell in love with the gi. I fell in love with gi jiu-jitsu, <laughs> and uh, um, and then started to meet people and you know how you do you you just kind of especially when you're a white belt you know you're going three and four days a week they talk you into competing so you compete and uh you know you're in that grinder and you're going to open mats a couple days a weekend you know and and whenever you can and you're just sucking up all this knowledge so um, you're around these people a lot. And then you finish training on a Friday night and you're like, well, hey, let's go get some tacos. You know, like kind of like you were just saying. And so and so I, I just built all these these friendships and then all of a sudden they're my family. And then outside of the gym, life starts to fall apart and crumble. And, and then that's kind of where you, my refuge was. You know. Okay, can I ask you a question? You said sure. life started to fall apart and crumble outside. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so in, uh, in 2018, um, my then wife and I uh, decided staying married was a, not a good idea. Um, for various reasons. And um, that was that was a hard thing. We'd been married for 12 years and um, it was contentious at times. And and it's it's uh, you know, I've always said to people, I wouldn't wish divorce on my worst enemy, you know. Um, so that was hard. Uh, but I could always go uh, drop into a jiu-jitsu class. And the beautiful thing about jujitsu is you forget everything else that's going on around you and focus on the problem at hand, which is somebody trying to choke you, somebody trying to armbar you, somebody trying to sweep you, or whatever drill you're working on or technique you're trying to practice. And that gets all your focus. So for an hour or an hour and a half, I had this kind of happy place where all these troubles going on around me were in the background and really out of my mind. And, um, you know, uh, 
I had people at the gym that knew what I was going through and, and they would check in on me on a daily basis and see how I was doing. And, um, you know, and that meant a lot for, for someone who was in a fairly new city, didn't have a lot of friends and, and, um, uh, didn't know, really know how to share that struggle. I think, um, that meant a lot, you know, and so that family really kind of closed ranks around me and really helped me out. And it's a good thing that it did, but you shouldn't feel bad about not sharing. When you have a, a, a marriage that's like failing and, you know, as you said before, you didn't wish divorce on anybody. So in your mind, if you have a marriage that's failing, you feel like you're failing. Sure. But a lot of times, a marriage that's failing is really telling you like, maybe you shouldn't be married. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I hate to say it like that. I'm not a divorcee, but I've been married for 25 years. And from just watching other people, if both people aren't committed to like move forward, because you're not going to be the same person when you marry that person. And she's not going to be the same person when she married you. So constantly you have to accept change to move forward and then sometimes it just doesn't work and that's okay you get to do that um i think it was probably really hard for you because from what i'm hearing you were in a new city so you go to start over you leave that support system that you had in seattle you go to denver and then your marriage is in a negative state you know what i mean and yeah kids obviously so sure. how did that play into everything? Um, well, how do you mean? Like you're a single dad now, so it must yeah. have been a big difference. Uh, you said you started taking your son to jiu-jitsu class. That's how you got into it. So I'm going to assume you were an active father. I listen to, I read in between the lines. So, well, um, yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, we started him and I got to back up because that actually all happened in 2017. That's how much I've blocked it out of my mind. But uh, um, he needed something to do because he was a growing six-year-old kid. And so I figured, well, jujitsu would be a good thing for him. And, um, and so we gave it a try for a few months and he decided it wasn't for him. But what it did is it got me back into the combat sports environment and it kind of reignited that, that flame, uh, that, that I had had when I lived in Seattle. And, um, and so, uh, that kind of got me my foot back in the door, um, in an, in a arena that I was uncomfortable in, but I enjoyed, you know, um, through jujitsu and, it's been a fun, fun four-year run, um, a five-year run almost, four-year run. Um, so I, you know, I've I've loved doing it and I've loved training. But you know, as a I guess that transition to being a single dad has, you know, it's meant uh, less training time. You know, because you've got to look at what's important and and. Um, you know, my kids are, are uh, 10 and 13. They're not going to be around here forever. And uh, so I've got to, I've got to maximize the time I have with them um, while I got them. 
And then right. when they go off to college, then I can train jujitsu all the time. <laughs> Sounds like you're plotting already. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, hey, Helio uh, trained until he was in his 90s. So I, I got a shot. Uh, I don't know. And he kept him alive and healthy into his I got, I got at least another 30 years of rolling in me, I think. I just got to find 30 out. years? I don't know. My knees are already starting to hurt and elbows, shoulders every day. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, you do feel that when you go hard. Like I say, you go at your own pace, but I, I try to roll at a heavy pace. Yeah. So it is what it is. My daughter's 23. Yeah. So I experienced the same problem you. I mean, my, I was still married, of course, but I still experienced the same problem. Your kids, you have to give your kids time. You know they're dependent. They're dependent on you. You have a responsibility to them. So a lot of times we take away the things that we like to do, to do things that with them and for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like you said, when they go away to school, you know that's your time. <laughs> then you can take care of Gregory. So when you um got in touch with me, you talked about certain things in your life that jiu-jitsu helped you with. So it definitely helped you with your divorce. You already um, detailed that. Is there anything else that it helped you with? Yeah. In, uh, so I, I had alluded to, or I had mentioned that um, when I was training in Seattle, I suffered from anxiety and depression and I was being medically treated for that. Um, and uh when I moved out here, what I found was that those medical treatments weren't working. So like many people, I decided to take matters into my own hands and I was treating myself with alcohol and, um, and uh, developed a pretty severe drinking problem. Um, I was, you know, I don't know, passing out on the couch four or five nights a week and, and uh, drinking pretty heavily. I wasn't, uh, wasn't training, wasn't eating right, wasn't taking care of myself. And I went to see a, um, I went to see a doctor for my depression and, uh, and you know, they have, they, they have you fill out this form. And one of the questions on the form was how often do you drink? And uh, I didn't fill that question out because they didn't have enough numbers on the form for how much I drank. And I kind of made a joke of it when I handed the doctor the form and he goes, well, how much do you drink? And I told him and he looked at me and he goes, well, uh, I would be, it would be wasting my time and your time for me to treat you unless you uh, deal with your alcoholism. So that was March 17th, 2016. Um, I've got five years, two months and two days sober. <clears throat> um good for you which which you know at this point I'm, i do say that with a little bit of pride because i i feel really good about that um because it takes work like anything um but the uh but so i got sober in march um i started training i said something's got to change uh so I changed my diet a little bit. And then I started training jujitsu in April. 
about eight and sometime in April. And then you know what it's like when you start training jujitsu and you're uh, out of shape. Yes. Your or when you gets, come back <laughs> after a while, your, yeah. you're out of shape. Your ego gets checked hard. And uh, my ego got checked hard. And uh, I'm like, well, I got to do this and, uh, and I got to get better at it. So I, uh, I kept going to class. I kept eating right. But jujitsu was like, uh, um, it was like this thing I kept trying to grasp because you're trying to grasp this knowledge that you don't have that you're trying to get, right? And there's always more of it, right? These black belts say, well, this right. is, beginning. they get their black belt and they're like, this is the beginning of the journey. And as a white belt, it's, you're drinking from such a fire hose that you're just like, there's all this knowledge and I have none of it, you know, and you're trying to get some of it. And I was just like, the thing I love about jujitsu is you're, you're exercising your mind at the same time you're exercising your body. And, um, and, uh, cause I've thrown iron around the gym and, and I've done other stuff, but, um, you know, keeping my mind engaged has really, really helped me. And so, um, Jiu-jitsu really helped keep me sober because it gave me something to do and it engaged my mind. You know, it didn't allow my mind to wander to say, you know, why not just drink? Or, you know, it, it gave me a chance to shut off the whatever problems I had going on, you know, with, with my marriage or with work or, or whatever else was going on. It was a safety valve to release that for an hour or two hours a day and then come out of there refreshed and have some capacity to deal with it until the next class, you know? Um, so, so I, I, I kind of, I never did 12 step programs. I, I kind of, I tell people jokingly that jujitsu is my AA, uh, that, that class was my group meeting, um, and, and open mats were my group meetings. Um, you know, because I would go, I would meet like-minded individuals and, and we would, um, we would interact on the mat, we would roll. And, you know, when you roll with people, you, with, with hardly any conversation or talking, you develop bonds with these people because you, you know, you've tried to choke each other, you know, and, and I don't know what that does, but it creates a bond with, with people that, again, you have nothing in common with. You know, um, it's just it's just an interesting phenomenon. That, it, it, it does create a bond. And I don't understand it either, because, you know, potentially, like we say, jujitsu and we're fun. It's fun. It's exciting to do. But you're really learning how to disable another human being. You know, if you actually were an ass, you could choke somebody till they want out or just you actually kill the person on the street because you know how to do it. And but being as though you're in that situation and you're learning that and you just choke a person and the person is like, oh, that was good. Can you show me what you just did? You know right. what I mean? And it's like a, a, a whole different atmosphere. I want you, I, I'm going to ask you a question about your jujitsu family and dealing with your alcohol, alcoholism. Give me about 10 seconds. Okay. Okay. Um, 
you said you didn't take any program when you were uh, doing jujitsu. You just you just went to jujitsu. I'm sorry. You didn't take any alcohol. Twelve step program. Did you go go to uh, counseling? Did you form a new community with that? Um, a sponsor. I, yeah, I saw a counselor um, to deal with my depression on a. I think I saw him once a month. Um, you know, and that that dealt with my depression um, from a clinical standpoint. Um, but I think also, you know, being active, um, doing things to change my physical health and, and aid my weight loss. Um, I lost, uh, 60 pounds in 12 months. Um, you know, um, keeping my mind active in a positive way, you know, those things also helped with depression and anxiety. You know, when you kind of keen off of what you just said, when you're learning how to choke people and disable them and things like that, and then you're in that position where you're fighting to prevent that in a rolling situation, and things like that. I believe, and, I, and I've, I've read it from, from other people that, you know, the problems and troubles of day-to-day -day life kind of, the volume of those gets lowered a little bit. And what problems? You don't even, you don't even realize you have pro, uh, problems in that moment. They I may know. come back when you leave class, but right then and there, all that stuff that was bothering you, right. it's gone as soon as the bell rings. But yeah. it's like, 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 take this one, take traffic, the, the one we all hate to deal with. You live in a major city. I live in a major city. I, I used to live in Seattle, which has horrible traffic. Um, but what I found is that, you know, with enough jujitsu, and maybe I need more, but it's just like, you know, dealing with people merging wrong and not using this <laughs> and and cutting me off i'm just like you know i'm not going to get stressed about that it's just it's not that big a deal and and traffic used to drive me nuts so that's kind of one that i always like to talk about because because a i think everyone can relate to it and and b i used to have a problem with it and now i'm kind of like just like all right man you want to get ahead of me that's fine because uh if we were on the mat i would choke you i you know i uh, you know, it's just kind of that, I don't know, it's that, it's that thing. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but, but, um, kind of, I don't know, jujitsu problems, Trump, a lot of other problems, I think. It, it does. Um, me personally, I have a job that I've done for, uh, 26 years. I'm not going to name it, but it's, uh, dealing with customer service. And it's one of those customer service jobs that are really like people, frown upon now you know years ago people didn't frown upon you when you had a job like they do now uh, I think a lot of times in jobs people think you owe them something as instead of you're providing a service so it's very stressful and you know there's been altercations where people will be like oh I'll do this to you I'll do that to you and I would always call a cop you know because that's what I'm supposed to do if something transpires for anybody that has one of those jobs your boss is always going to say the same thing. If you feel like you need to help, why didn't you call for it? So to take that off the table, 
I would always call for help. But while I'm sitting there and the person is talking, I'm saying to myself, I'm not stressed. I'm aware of what they do, but I'm not stressed because I'm saying to myself, I'm pretty sure I had more training than this person because yeah. somebody that was trained acts differently. You know what I mean? It goes, it permeates down your whole atmosphere, your whole attitude. That macho side of you is really taken out of you. I mean, it may come out when you're on the mat, but it doesn't come out in the real world. You know what I mean? Like dealing yeah. with people. So it is very relaxing and it does help with a lot of situations. Well, I think you so realize when you learn how to hurt people, you realize how hurt you can get. Right. And it's like, I, I learned that with uh kickboxing is you know um the last thing i want to do in a bar or a coffee shop or grocery store is get in a fist fight because i, I don't want to get arrested and i don't want to go to the er uh, right with a broken hand or anything else broken you know and so that like would motivate me to de-escalate de any situation. And I think as people who are trained to fight, and, and I've talked to a lot of guys and professional fighters, amateur fighters, and guys who just train, they all kind of agree that it's like, yeah, there's no way I'd get into stuff on the street. It's just- Just walk away. <laughs> yeah. And, and plus, you know, I mean, they find out you've got some skill and then, and then you're in trouble with the law and it's just a mess. And that's the crazy thing too, because of your kickboxing background, you would get in trouble with the law, but they wouldn't even consider your jujitsu background. The, the law hasn't caught up with that yet. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, at least in most cases, like even now, a boxer is licensed. So if he knocks somebody out on the street, they're gonna get it, they, they're gonna get in him. But I mean an MMA guy that's been fighting regionally that hasn't made the big leagues in the UFC or uh, what's the other one, Bellator or one of those big organizations, they're probably going to overlook you've been training for years, but this guy's more dangerous than the boxer because he can win a fight in so many different ways and not just one way. So yes, that is a, um, that is a little loophole in the law nowadays. But I kind of, we kind of started talking and we deviate from stuff on this show. <laughs> but the main point was you just feel more confident in your well-being and you project your way in. A, that confidence is projected outward even when you're not on the mat. And I'm not your counselor. I'm not medically certified. But I got to think that helped with your depression and your anxiety. It definitely helped with your alcoholism. I completely agree with that. And, and that's a good way to put it, I think you know, you, you develop this confidence and, and it kind of changes your outlook, I think, uh, as you see the world around you. Um, and then you begin to see things as trivial. You're like, that's not really a big deal. And so I don't, I decide not to worry about that. And so then these things that you worry about or used to worry about that created anxiety in you, then you don't worry about them anymore. And, and they're, they're lesser problems. And, and, you know, now you got bigger problems, you know, now my daughter's a teenager. Now I got that thing I got to worry about, you know, and, and this other thing. And so, you know, uh, 
Yeah, uh, I mean, certain, certain, and I'm gonna agree with you, but I'm kind of gonna uh, slide to the other end and kind of like agree with you, but with a little tilt on it, because you used the example of my daughter's a teenager now. I think when you do jujitsu or combat sports in that family situation, you hear what's going on with people's kids. They're talking to you. They're just you're just all laid back and you're calm. Uh, I think a lot of times in those situations, like we'll say stuff like my kid does this and my kid, unless your kid is really having a lot of problems with a lot of stuff. I think usually jujitsu dads are really like cool dads and laid back. That's usually what I see. Like they're yeah. not uninvolved. I'm not going to say that because people are going to get the wrong impression and say, oh, they're uninvolved. No, most of the jujitsu dads I know are really, really involved in their kids' lives. They're excellent fathers. But they're more grounded. I think that's the word I want to look. They're more grounded, so they just sit back and then they just don't sweat the small stuff. You know, I think that's something. a great word. Grounded, yeah. great word. Grounded. I mean, because they just don't sweat the small stuff. Like I, I have a daughter, so you know, before jujitsu, if she said certain stuff, I'd be like, "Oh man, she's three years old. I wonder if she's going to think that way when she's a teenager." You know, but you know, when you when you're grounded and, and and laid back you'll listen to what they say and say okay that's not a big deal you'll pick your you'll pick your battles kind of like when you roll it's like should i go for this sweep should i go for this counter right now you're always thinking 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 that carries over to you everything that's yeah. everything your your relationships your um kids how you identify work the stuff that you identify that bothered you at work I can almost bet once you started jujitsu, it, it, it was different. It didn't bother you anymore. Some things will continuously bother you, but some things like the small stuff, mm, not so much. Yeah, and, then you, see, and you. then you see guys around you sweating that small stuff, and and you just think, I got this. It's not a big deal, you know. And so, no, I. And that's a good point too. That's yeah. a great point. I didn't really think about that, but. I do sit around and see other people and they um, constantly are upset about something. And I say to myself, for what? <laughs> you know, so I guess how you, uh, I don't want to say react to other people, but how you sit down there and see what's going on with other people, you'll say, mm, you know, but that's just a nice observation that you made that I didn't really think about. <laughs> You know, but um, going forward, going forward, I hope your depression, your anxieties, and your uh, alcoholism continues to stay in check because I know it's a battle all the time. Um, some days are easier than others, I would assume. You know, um, some days are rougher than others, but I'm, I'm glad to really hear that you made these choices and you decided to make the choices. I think that's really the first step with dealing these things with these things. It's not really like hitting rock bottom. People think you got to hit rock bottom to change certain things. It's not just hitting rock bottom. It's the decision that you make to right. change your life. So I applaud well, you for that. Well, you know, there are a lot of people that got to hit rock bottom in order to change. And that's just what has to happen. But not everybody is that way. I would agree with that. Um, but, 
Yeah, you know, now I think having five years sober, it helps because um, I'm able to put it into perspective with my kids and say, you know, if I drink, this is the cascade of events that's going to happen and how it's going to affect them. <coughs> so, um, you know, that helps a lot. Sorry, my throat's kind of scratchy. That's fine. I wouldn't even think about that technique. Not that, you know, if I drank, this is going to be what happens after. It's a natural progression to it. Right. I'm hoping somebody that's listening to this really paid attention to that comment that you just made. Maybe that will like drive them to make better decisions, just the way thinking about what's going to happen because they know what the downward spiral is with their person. Yeah. And then think about that, how it's going to affect their kids or a significant other. So, yes, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was just. Yeah. But I, I think it's a brilliant point. I think, I think it is, it is about choices and, and you don't have to hit rock bottom. And, and it is a, you know, I mean, the, you know, the great thing about AA, which has helped millions of people is that, you know, they, they do talk about taking things one day at a time. And, and, you know, a lot of times that's what you have to do. And, and, and if we, if we kind of overlay that to how jujitsu helps keep us sober or keep us from debilitating depression or crushing anxiety is that we take it one class at a time. And, and, you know, even, and it, a lot of people say it, but, um, you know, even when you don't feel like going, that's when you need to go, right? Uh, I would, I would go to class even when I didn't feel like going. And I always felt better when I got out. And, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah. That's a great point too. You do feel better when you get out. Always. <laughs> you say to yourself, I'm glad I came after you pull yourself up and make sure that you go. But I would think that um, your classes are more so therapy. So for the people that's listening, remember you need an outlet. Um, your outlet doesn't have to be determined by your family situation or your work situation. You have to choose the best outlet for you. For me and Greg, it was jujitsu. You know, um, yeah. it was the combat, the the community that we built in those things. Uh, I would recommend that to anybody, and I'm not just talking about big men. <laughs> I'm talking about little guys, young ladies. You know, there's a lot of young ladies in jujitsu right now. There's a lot of older ladies in jujitsu right now, and they come meticulously. Like their their mental health was different before they came, but they're in their own terms, better people after they started coming. So I would recommend jujitsu, I'm sure Gregory would, but find a hobby, find a way to direct what you're going through, try to talk to people. And I hope, I really hope that there's someone that listens to this podcast and it just helps. Because I always say this is a Sunday conversation, but any day of the week, 
and we're trying to build a foundation, helping each other from the bottom to the top. And hopefully this will, even if it just helps one person, that's good enough for me. I'm sure that's good enough for Gregory because he jumped in. Um, we just want to help people. That's the main purpose. So you can't help nobody unless you talk about stuff. So Gregory, I want to thank you for joining me. Um, we're kind of coming up on time. I want to really thank you for joining me. I, I want to um, thank you for sharing your story. I know sometimes it's hard to talk about yourself and try to um, really project what's going on inside when you know other people are going to be listening. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And, sure. Um, you know, I mean, our, like I said before, our stories kind of lose value if we don't use them to help others. And and so if if someone's either encouraged or inspired by the story, my story, which isn't a very amazing story, but if it helps someone, then then it's worth telling it. And then it's maybe it's worth me having gone through it. Well, I'm not going to end the note on that comment because I think your story is an amazing story. <laughs> and I think everybody but you would agree. And that's fine because you're living that story. Yep. But you can patch yourself. You take a second to pat yourself on the back because you earned it now. And take a second. Don't break your hand. Pat yourself on the back because it is an amazing story. And someone else that's listening to it will say it's an amazing story. And I'm going to tell you it's an amazing story right now. We're not even going to go and play that game like, ah, oh, it's not amazing. Yes, it is amazing. And I want to thank you for coming. I really do. So to everyone that's listening, I will try to bring more guests in like Gregory. Um, if there's something that you want to talk about, if you have a story, I'm on social media, uh, Melvin Ward on all forms. Drop a like, drop a comment, send me something. I will answer. Gregory will tell you I will answer if you have something to say, and, and we will talk. So thank you very much for joining me for Health and Triumph. Thank you very much, Gregory Wall, once again. And hopefully we helped at least one person. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to turn to our right. We're going to turn to our left. We're going to tell a story. And then hopefully that person will turn and tell the same story and it'll keep on passing on. We got 7 billion shots, 7 billion people on the planet. So we got 7 billion shots to try to get it right. But we're going to try to get it right. Thank you, Gregory.